are welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor T.B. Peters, the President of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Say good morning to someone close to you. Amen. God is a good God. How many of you agree with that? I believe strongly that there are some people that in the depths of their hearts, they have not agreed with the fact that God is a good God. They mouth it, but they have not believed. Ask your neighbor, is God a good God? You know, <laughs> it is religion that killed Jesus Christ. I hope you know that. The people that killed Jesus Christ were not Boko Haram. They were not evil people as per se. They were not terrorists. They were people that believed that they were doing what God wanted them to do. The people that killed Jesus thought they were doing something for God. It means that you can think you are doing something for God, but you are actually working against Him. Amen. Religion. They had a group called the Pharisees. And they had a group called the Sadducees. We still have Pharisees today. It's just that they don't dress like them again. We still have Sadducees today who are in the body of Christ and are still fighting Jesus Christ today. You'll be surprised to know that there are people that have the Bible but they've never really read it for themselves. Someone cannot be an atheist continuously without being insincere. Someone cannot be religious continuously without being insincere. What I mean is this. One of the times we had I was preaching on television and I said, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe God exists, and you have a right to believe that, one thing I just want you to do is this. For the first and perhaps the only time in your life, say this prayer. Lord, if you exist, if you are true, reveal yourself to me. And I said, God is duty bound to make you know that he exists. If he doesn't do that, then he doesn't have a right to condemn you. Listen to me. There are people who have told these things. And they say, okay, 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 I'll do it. And you know what happens to them? It's either they finally say, that thing you're saying is true. Or they say, eh, well, 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 I still don't believe. Although, one day, I almost believed. Why? Because God will always try to reach out to them. Anybody that sincerely is looking for truth, that was the statement I made in that TV program. 
will find it. If you are looking for truth, you will find it. Because God is a good God. So, so someone can be religious and they, they are not looking for the truth. Are you understanding me? Let me say something to you. In your Christian work, this is the attitude here. If there is something I don't know, I am open to know it. Amen. Are you understanding me? If there is something I have not learned, I am willing to learn it. Rather than say, no, 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 I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. No, 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 no. We are open to truth. Amen. Because we sincerely want to walk in the light of God's word. Praise God. Religion. Everyone here must break out of religion. Tap your neighbor and say, break out of religion. There is a difference between religion and life in Christ Jesus. There are two different things. I'll start again. There is a difference between churchianity and Christianity. Amen. Maybe I'll title today's message Churchianity versus Christianity. Which one are you doing? There is a big difference between being a churchian and being a Christian. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Big difference. Permit my language. Two things I will just explain or illustration stories I'll just use to get into what I want to share with you. One is a girl that used to come around us, you know, years ago. And said so she joined some of our brethren for soul winning evangelism. And so she came back and she was giving her report about her evangelism. She said, well, I met a Muslim so I didn't bother preaching to him. I said, why? She said, why would I preach to a Muslim? I said, why won't you preach to a Muslim? She said, well, we will believe our Jesus. They, they believe their Allah. So, why would I not try to convert him to my own when he's own, he has his own? Now, this is a girl that has been born again. So I said, hold on. What did you say? Say it again. Let me be sure I got you. She said it again. I said, he believes in his Allah. I believe in my Jesus. So why will I want to convert him when he has his own? I said, oh, 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 oh. It means that somehow you believe that there are many ways to Jesus. There are many ways to heaven. He said, eh Hello? Hello? I said, then you have not understood what Christianity is. I said, you have not understood what Christianity is. You have not understood what Christianity is. I said, if you are saying that what you have embraced is churchianity, you have not met Jesus. When you meet Jesus, you will know that He is the way. Hallelujah. He is not one of the ways. In John 14 verse 6, it is an audacious statement. The Bible says, Jesus said unto him, let's read together, I want to go. I am the way, the truth, and what? And the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He was, it was not an ambiguous statement. It was a direct 
intentional. Are you understanding me? It's not a vague statement. You can't be confused about it. It's either you accept it or you reject it. There's no in between about this scripture. He didn't say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the way. Understand the difference. Jesus is not one of the prophets that came to bring a religion in the world. No. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God made flesh. Hallelujah. If that has not dawned on your heart, you've not understood what it means to be born again. Amen. Born again is not attending a church. It's not about this is how we do it in this place. No. That's not what it means to be born again. See, listen to me. Listen to me. That's the first story was this girl that said she believes that. So, so. The second thing that happened was, um, I, I mentioned it briefly, I think it was um, during the midweek service. You know, this is just recent. Um, someone wrote me, a le- um, sent me a message. It was a lengthy one. And the person was talking about a statement I made um, on social media. You know, and the statement was talking about the difference between theoretical knowledge and practical knowledge of scripture. So I started by saying something like, though I speak, so, sorry, though I study my Bible in Hebrew and Greek and cannot cast out devils, I am but sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. What I was trying to say is that if you know everything the Bible says, but you cannot produce it, then you are empty. Then you've not really known it. That's the point of what I was making. So, someone picked on that statement. And I've not spoken with the person for... We've not spoken... We've not met. Maybe for 15 years. But we've not sat down to speak for longer than that. You know, so it's far away somewhere else. And the person picked the message and then sent me a mail and said... What am I trying to say? And I explained, I said, I'm talking about theoretical knowledge of God's word and the practical knowledge of God's word. So the person sent me another one. And said, why is there emphasis on signs, wonders and miracles? That those things are irrelevant. That what is relevant is sound doctrine, godliness, living for God, you know, um, you know, basically permit me to say religion. You understand that? And then he said, he quoted scriptures and said what Paul taught and cited what Peter taught and said these people follow sound doctrine so we should also follow sound doctrine. Now, I cannot go into all the things I wrote but I gave it to him. But one thing I just want to pull out from there is this. What I said about sound doctrine. The Bible talks about sound doctrine. And I said you are quoting Peter and Paul. Peter talked about sound doctrine. Did he not have miracles in his life? He said he had. I said, Paul talked about sound doctrine. Did he not have miracles in his life? He said he had. I said, even Peter's shadow was healing the sick. I said, how come you are the only one that has sound doctrine and doesn't have the miracles? I don't understand it. Because everybody that has sound doctrine has miracles. Amen. So if you claim to have sound doctrine, there should be miracles in your life. So I said, let me tell you what soundness in doctrine means. 
Soundness in doctrine means that you have embraced righteousness of God, the right living of God, healings, miracles, success on earth, prosperity, everything. If you leave out anyone, the doctrine is not sound. Amen. I said, that's my stand. Be careful. If you have come to this place and you are listening to me, God is breaking you out of religion. Amen. Religion will never bring out the value, the true value of your salvation. It will never bring it out. You might have been born again, but if you are, religion will cage you, it will never give full expression of the value of what you carry. You know what I mean of, about full expression of value? It's like you give a grandmother huh? a, 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 an iPhone 6. Are you understanding me? A grandma, she's 84. Are you understanding me? You give her iPhone 6. What do you think? Do you think she'll be, she'll be using all the features? If you, you're a younger person, maybe you're 21, you see this, you say, grandma, give me this phone now. Give me this phone. You know, take my Nokia. Are you understanding me? Take my, this one. Take my techno, whatever. You understand? Give me this one. Why are you saying so? Because you will use it better. Are you with me? Now, what religion does and what religion seeks to do is that if a man embraces Jesus Christ and is still having a religious mindset, what the devil uses it to do is to make sure that salvation does not have full expression because of religion. I'll give you instances. The first thing, there are several things religion does. The, the major aim of religion, and it's from the devil, is to limit. Never say to limit. To limit. Religion is limitation. The aim of religion is to limit. Now, when God created the human race, let's start from there. God created Adam. And then, he put Adam to a deep sleep and brought out a woman and called her Eve. You know the story. Now, God spoke to Adam. The Bible says that God said, Adam, where are you? He said, I, blah, 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 blah. I was afraid I hid myself. Have you eaten all the fruit? He said, the wife that you gave to me. He also asked Eve. He spoke to Eve. God spoke to Eve. I hope you know. The serpent, he didn't speak to the serpent. Are you understanding me? He just sentenced him. Amen. He didn't speak to him. It means that God did not believe that Eve was a lesser creature than Adam. Amen. Watch where I'm going to. But you know what religion has come to do? Religion has come to put women behind. Amen. And so even when a woman is born again, religion says, hey, 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 you are not supposed to allow the power of God to operate in your life. Hello? Religion is trying to limit women. And you know in this world, there are more women than men. How you know that? If half of the population of the world cannot preach the gospel, amen, the devil has a big, 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 big advantage. Are you understanding me? The aim of religion is to limit. So through religion, women are limited. Did you hear me? 
Through religion, what? Even women are limited. In the Bible, God used women. Amen. Are you understanding me? He used women. Then a church will now wake up one day and say, We don't use women. Women don't, no, women should not preach. It's not biblical. I'm going to talk on something else. And let me just touch it because, and I like as I'm, I want to awaken a lot of questions in your mind and then we'll address them. First thing I want to say is this. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Let's look at it. And I'll explain something to you. In 2 Timothy 2, 15, I'd like us to read it together. Alright? One, two, go. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's take it one more time. Study to show yourself approved of God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing. Now listen to me. Please, listen with everything in you. Listen so that you can go back and check your scriptures. Amen. Because I'm going to be saying some things that will shake the foundation of that, your demonic religious philosophy. I want to shake it and break it in the name of Jesus. Listen. Watch this scripture. Churchianity versus Christianity. Religion thrives in ignorance. Are you understanding me? It's just like if a place is dirty, then flies and other insects will breed. Are you understanding me? So what makes religion thrive is ignorance. And when we say ignorance, there are two sides of ignorance. The first side of ignorance is the absence of knowledge. Hello? Did you hear me? Absence of knowledge. For example, you have never heard it. So you don't know. Absence. The knowledge is absent. The knowledge is totally unavailable. So, religion thrives on the fact that there is no knowledge. So the person doesn't know. For example, Paul met a group of people in Acts chapter 19. And he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? They said, we have not even ever heard there is a Holy Spirit. That means it's absence of knowledge. They've never heard. So, religion thrives in ignorance. And I said, one of the ways someone can be ignorant is that the knowledge is what? Absent. Number two, type of ignorance. Is ignorance as a result of insufficient knowledge. The first kind of ignorance is no knowledge at all. This one is insufficient. There is knowledge, but it is not enough. Amen. Are you understanding me? We have a case of insufficient knowledge. We, we, example, there was a man called Apollos. Apollos was a fervent preacher of the gospel. But the Bible says that when he was preaching, he didn't know much about, apart from salvation. He didn't know anything further. So, husband and wife, um, 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 what's their name now? Uh, Aquila and Priscilla took him and taught him more about the ways of the Lord. That means he had insufficient knowledge. Amen. The third way is incorrect, inaccurate knowledge. That means you have a knowledge, but it is wrong. Amen. Are you with me? 
Anyway, if you are not with me, I'll punch you now. Amen. Then you be with me. Amen. You are better. You are, be, you are you can, so you are better be with me. Amen. Alright? Don't forget what I'm going to. I'm talking about religion. And you know, I, I, I really want to address this. Religion, I said, it thrives in ignorance. And I'm telling you the three kinds of ignorance you can have. You can have the ignorance as a result of a lack of knowledge. We are, all of them are lack of knowledge, but this one is absence of knowledge. There is no knowledge at all. You don't know. You don't know. You don't, for example, someone might be born again, but he doesn't know that there is Holy Spirit. Amen. The second kind of ignorance is insufficient knowledge. You have knowledge, but it's not enough. The third kind of ignorance is as a result of inaccurate knowledge. You have a knowledge, but the knowledge you have is wrong. Hello? Am I communicating? Now. As long as this ignorance exists, religion will reign. That's why the scripture said, go back to 2 Timothy 2.15. He said study. Everybody say study. Again, say study. Study means that, hey, 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 don't just hear what somebody said. Don't just hear what you grew up with. Find out for yourself. And then, the Bible says, rightly divide the word of truth. I'll come to what it means to rightly divide the word of truth. So that you will not be embarrassed in life. You will not be ashamed. means you will not be embarrassed. Am I communicating? Follow me now. When we talk about ignorance and how religion thrives, for example, the Jewish people they are the, perhaps the most knowledgeable people religion-wise. Religion are you me? No other nation or group of people were as knowledgeable about religion, let me use that word, than the Jewish people. But the problem was that their knowledge was faulty at a point. They have not embraced the fact, they are reading the Bible. And in their own scripture, the Bible says that a governor shall arise out of Bethlehem. Amen. They are reading it. Then this man comes and says, I am the Messiah. And, but they say, no. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, the Bible says so, but you are not the one. Are you understanding me? That means they have a knowledge, but it's inaccurate. In their mind, they thought that the person that's going to come and save them will come like a politician, start a political party. Are you understanding me? And do election and win. Are you understanding me? The knowledge they had was inaccurate. So you know what they started doing? They started fighting the thing that they've been waiting for. Amen. Now it was in their presence. It was the religious people that organized for the death of Jesus Christ. I want you to go back in your mind to understand how it was in Israel at that time. Israel was under occupation of the Roman Empire. Alright? So the Roman Empire was in charge of Israel. And they had centurions in charge of different territories. It was not the Roman Empire or the, the unbelievers, so to speak, that were fighting Jesus. No. It was the Pharisees and Sadducees, amen, that were organizing. They'll come to the Roman centurion and say, look, look, that guy is a traitor. He's fighting. He, 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 what he's preaching is not correct. They say, okay, what do you want? They say, we want you to arrest him. They were the ones organizing. That's how it happens even in the body of Christ, amen, where other believers will be the ones fighting the church, amen. Are you understanding me? They say, eh, no, 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 no. You know, go on. In Kaduna State recently, there's a story of how 
I, I've been reading over the news. I've not given it as much attention as I should. But I, I overheard that they came up that said every ch- religious group or church must have a license before they operate as a church. Go and check. Go and check. It will be religious people, maybe some orthodox groups of people will come down together and meet the governor and suggest these things to him just to cripple some ministries. Amen. It is always religion that fights truth. Amen. Are you understanding me? It's always religion. Always religion. And listen, be careful that you are not, you are not an ambassador of religion. Amen. Glory to God. Be careful that you yourself, you are not enslaved by religion. Religion is you trying to impress God in your own way. Rather than allowing God tell you what He wants. Amen. Are you understanding me? There's some of you that come to church on Sunday. You're not coming to church on Sunday because you want to hear the word of God. You're coming to church on Sunday because it's Sunday that they go to church. That's religion. Amen. And it's on Sunday they go to church. It's on Sunday, it's Sunday every Sunday. When, since I was born, and now I am getting home every Sunday, we go to church. You know? So, you, that's why you're coming to church. Because every Sunday we go to church. That's why you're going to church. It's not because of a revelation that you're coming to worship God. It's just, that's really, that means you are still bound by what? Religion. You can have 20 Bibles. It doesn't change the fact. Why are you in this church? Eh, it's near. That's religion. You don't be in a church because it's near. You're in a church because the Spirit of God drove you to go to that church. Amen. That's religion. It's religion. Why are you in that church? And right from where I was small, I'm gone. All of us were going to that church. That's where will I go? That's religion. That's religion. That is not Christianity. Christianity. The Bible says, they that sat in darkness, they saw a great light. Christianity is light breaking forth in your soul. Anytime light comes, there is freedom. Amen. There is freedom. There is freedom. No more bondage. The limiting power of religion is what makes that somebody is born again. Are you understanding me? Then he's looking at other people. And say, and assessing their salvation. It's why it's, it, it, come, let me test your salvation. Let me test your salvation. They have their own thermometer they used to test through salvation. Nourish. Anybody that is thinking like that is still religious. Let me tell you one thing you should know. Look around you, look at your neighbor, look at everybody around you. Look at anybody around you. You are not better than anybody because you look like you are better. Amen? What salvation does is that it puts everybody on the same platform. Amen? Are you understanding me? It's the blood of Jesus that washed all of us. Amen? That gives us the audacity to say we are children of God. Amen. Are you understanding me? So you can meet a child of God that walks straight. You can meet the one that his leg is bent. They are all children of God. Amen. Are you understanding me? Listen. Anybody that is bound by religion is always judgmental. 
and critical of others. That's how you know you are still bound by religion. For example, you are in church here, you now hear, Oh, brother, so, so, and so. We saw him at Casablanca. You've not even asked what happened. Are you understanding? You say, no, this is, you see, this is what I'm talking about. What is the church turning into? You are bound by religion. If that's the first thing that came to your mind, if the first thing that came to your mind was not to give an excuse for him, listen, oh, the ba- listen to me. The point about say love covers a multitude of faults. What he's saying is that if you hear that kind of the first thing he says, maybe he went for soul winning. If that one did not occur to you, he said, No, I know those things. He went for grooving. He went for grooving. Are you understanding, are you understanding me? That means that, listen to me, you are still bound by religion. You are still bound by religion. Because the Bible says, To the pure, all things are pure. Amen. The first thing that came to your mind is always something negative. Always something negative. Always something judgmental about somebody. You are still bound by religion. And as long as religion has its place in the church, we'll keep hurting each other. Amen. Yeah, we'll keep hurting each other. Because you always misread what somebody else is, is, is doing or saying. Are you understanding me? You always misread it. You say, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? It's religion. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I want to touch on something. I, I must touch on this. Jesus is the only one that can tell how a church or the church is supposed to operate because he's the head of the church. Amen. Are you understanding me? Moses. Okay, let's come back to rightly divided. So before I enter Moses and Jesus, come back to 2 Timothy 2.15. Let's say it again. Want to go? Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needed not to be ashamed what? rightly dividing the word of truth ever say rightly dividing the word of truth say again rightly rightly dividing the word of truth the word of truth the bible is the word of truth alright rightly dividing if, if, if it's saying you should rightly divide it means you can wrongly divide amen religion wrongly divides the word of truth Religion wrongly divides the word of truth. I'll give you an example. Why is he saying dividing? Because there, in the Bible, there are two divisions. There is the Old Testament and there is the New Testament. Amen. Are you hearing me? There is the Old Testament and there is the New Testament. What he's saying is that rightly dividing the word of truth means understand what is Old Testament and understand what is New Testament. Why is it called new? <laughs> if somebody comes to tell you, this is my new wife, <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> yes, are you understanding me? If you're supposed to have one wife, at least, yes, he said, this is my new wife. Amen. <laughs> it means that the other one is gone. Are you understanding me? Now, God is not us. God by himself said, now, I am going to give you a better covenant. Amen. Established upon what? Give me Hebrews 8.6. He said, let, let, look, let's look at Hebrews 8.6. Want to go? Let's read together. But now had he, Jesus, had obtained what? A more excellent ministry. By how much also he is what? The mediator of what? A better covenant. Which was established upon what? Better promises. Now he's saying that this new covenant is a better covenant. Who made it better? God! Hallelujah! Listen to me. If you are hearing me today, 
you have no business with the old covenant. Amen. I say it again strong to you. You, you, you have no connection whatsoever with the old covenant. The old covenant was strictly for those that were Jews. And right now, it has been declared obsolete. Amen. Because it has been fulfilled in the new. Amen. If you've not understood this thing, any other thing I'm talking about religion will just be like somebody is just talking something. Are you understanding me? If you've not understood the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, what was the big deal about the Old Testament? Like, eight or ten scriptures are coming to me now. I just pick the simple ones. You know, since it's not a Bible school, amen. I just pick the simple ones and, and place them before you. Now, what's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? In your Bible, your Bible has 66 books. Alright? Your Bible has what? 66 books. 39 of those books are Old Testament. 27 are supposed to be New Testament. That makes 66. Genesis to Malachi is Old Testament. Matthew to Revelation is supposed to be New Testament. But understand something. Let's go deeper into it. The reason why we say Matthew to Revelation is New Testament is that Matthew talked about Matthew, Mark, Luke and John talks about while Jesus was on earth here. When he walked the face of death. The story about how he was born. How he did miracles. Are you understanding me? Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But the real New Testament started in the book of Acts. Are you hearing me? It started where? In the book of Acts. And it started in the book of Acts means that that's where the church was born. The church, this church you are part of now, was born in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Amen. That's where the church was born, from verse 1 down to 4. There was no church of Jesus Christ before that time. So anything before that time was not dealing with the church except by prophetic symbolism. Amen. Moses was not innocent. Moses, Moses was not a pastor. Amen. He was not a pastor. Amen. At least not a New Testament one. Amen. So Moses, if the people sin, Moses can say, let the ground open up and swallow them. That was Old Testament. Are you understanding me? That's Old Testament. Let lightning smite them now. That's Old Testament. Understand the difference. In the Old Testament, there were laws God gave to Moses. Alright? There are laws He gave to Moses. And that these people must obey these laws. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. There are many laws he gave to them. You talk about ten commandments. They are not just ten. Ten are the, 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 the standard statement. There are joining commandments apart from those ten. There are plenty. You are not under the ten commandments. Hey. I said, you are not under the Ten Commandments. You are under the Lordship of Christ. What is it about the Ten Commandments? Now, when I say we are not under, are we saying that uh, the Bible says, thou shalt not steal? That means that you should go and steal? No. He said, thou shalt not steal. The person he was telling, thou shalt not kill. That person can kill. He has the capacity to kill somebody. 
So he said, don't kill anybody. If you kill somebody, I will kill you. You in Christ. The Bible says that you are a new creation. When you got born again, he doesn't have to tell you that shall not kill. Because the thing inside you does not kill. Amen. You are not a follower of written commandments and rules. The Bible says that in the new covenant, he will write his own laws in our hearts. In, not on tablets of stone, but on the tables of our hearts. That the moment you get born again, you know right and wrong inside you. Amen. That right and wrong inside you becomes your own law. Amen. Are you understanding me? Understand the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Say, let me show you. Let me show you in the Bible. Anytime they show you something in the Bible that is going to limit you, check. They always have to go to the Old Testament. They can't really show you in the New Testament. They always have to go to the Old Testament. Let me show you. In Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, he said, Thou shalt not wear that which pertaineth. Let's start with that one. You shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Brother, don't wear skirt. Sister, don't wear trouser. You see, have you heard the word Baldadash? Baldadash is senior to nonsense. Amen. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? Rubbish. Listen, let's come back. The Jewish people, what were they wearing? Hello? Who told you men were wearing trousers? It's gown they were wearing. Amen. I say it's dress they were wearing. Did you see? Have you watched Jesus of Nazareth? Have you watched it before? Oh, oh, Jesus wearing jeans. Thank you. He said he was wearing dress with handbag. No, no. How were they, how were they dressing? I'm asking. You've seen it. Now, what they were portraying in those movies are actually the way the people in that part of the world dress. The men wear because of the weather. Are you understanding me? Now, it cannot be that he was talking about trousers and skirts. It cannot be. What he was saying, he was dealing with health and body fluids. Ever say body fluids. When a woman wears something, her body fluids get into what she wears. A man should not take it and wear it. Amen. He's not talking about trousers and skirts. That's not what he's talking about. That means that I, 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 I wear my boxer and I remove it. A woman should not go and wear it. Amen. A woman wears something and then her body fluids get upon it and then you now go and wear it. It's not decent. Amen. That's what he was dealing with. It had nothing to do with skirt and trouser. If you've never heard that before, you're hearing for the first time. I'm coming for your own. I'm coming. Now, when you understand this, you will now see that, oh, but let me even say something. Even if it was about skirt and trouser, you are not under that law anymore. Amen? Even if it was, you are not in the Old Testament. You are in the New. Listen to me. Let me tell you how the law is. 
The law was never given for us to obey it partially. You are supposed to obey the law completely. You take all or nothing. You don't take the law in parts. So you cannot say you are taking one part of the law and not taking the other part. There are many things God told the Jewish people. Number one, He said that when you have a farmland, don't plant, let's assume, don't plant cassava and corn on the same land. Eh? That you have corrupted the land. Are you understand? Don't plant, it's against the law. Do you know, the food you are eating, do you know where they planted it? Do you know? If we are under that law, you are cursed for eating anything that you don't know where it came from. The Bible also says that in the Old Testament, under the law, if a man, a human being, had contact with a corpse, a corpse, alright, he is not supposed to come into the presence of God for seven days until he is cleansed. Amen? That's the law. If you are practicing your old covenant, you must practice that one. That means that if you have barrier, or somebody came from barrier on Saturday, and came for choir practice and, and shook you. You are not supposed to be in church on Sunday. Until next Sunday. Amen. No, you, you don't understand the law. Let me, tell you, let me teach you the law. Amen. That's the law. Are you understanding me? If, if somebody, his grandfather's burial, his grandmother's burial, he came back, he said, and he just entered this church service now, from, you know, came from village, straight. Just, ah, just, I sat beside you. His body touches you. You are supposed to go out of the church immediately. Amen. Because you are unclean. If a sister is in her monthly period, she's not supposed to come to church. That's the law. Amen. She's not supposed to come to church. If she say, ah, 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 see, ah, she, ah after service, no, she now say, hey, brother, high five, give you high five, high five. You're unclean. You're unclean. Immediately, you're unclean. That's the law. While we are all those laws, God was trying to show that if, if you think you can meet His demands, you are wasting your time. You cannot meet God's demands. No human being can meet God's demands. So Jesus came to die. Hallelujah. So that Jesus will meet all the demands of God. And you don't have to meet those demands again. The only demand from God to you is to believe in Jesus. That is the new covenant. Understand it. If not, you will be bound by religion. We come to covering of hair. I don't know which one. You, I, I, I want to take on the big boys. You know, I don't take on small ones. So, I don't know if covering hair. Which one is more serious? I, I don't think you know those things. <laughs> which one is more serious? Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, I, 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 want to, I want to deal with those things. Alright? Let me tell you something. Because if you don't understand these things, you will always be in bondage. There is no bondage in Christ. Second, Timothy, Second Corinthians 3. Give me verse 18. Let me just show you something. Now the Lord is that spirit. Okay. Okay, I'll read the next one. But we are with open face. We are as in a glass. The glory of the Lord are changing to the same image from glory to glory as by spirit of the Lord. Next verse. Sorry. Go back up. Sorry. Thank you. Start from 16. So I'll read it down. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil 
The veil shall be taken away. Verse 17 is what I was actually looking for. Now, let's read together. Now, the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Let me explain the liberty to you. Give me an amplified version of this verse. Let me explain what the liberty is. We'll read NLT. We'll read message. And that says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Emancipation from what? From bondage. There is freedom. NLT. For where the Lord is, the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, what? There is freedom. Message. Then suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence. Not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as what? Obsolete. We are free from it. Let me tell you something. We are not coming to church on Sunday because if we don't come to church, we will die. No. You will not, if you don't come to church, you will not die. <laughs> Amen. We are coming to church because we love Him. Amen. That's why we are coming to church. And, I don't know, if you are in love with somebody, you always want to see the person. Have you not seen people that, maybe they just started dating. The boy will escort the girl. She will escort him back. He will escort her back. They will escort him back. Have you not seen? What is the escorting and escorting? It's love. Are you understanding me? <laughs> Okay, bye-bye. Okay, I finished talking. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. You, bye-bye. You, bye-bye. Bye. Another 20 minutes have gone. Just say bye-bye. We're in a love relationship with our Father. Hallelujah. I said we're in a love relationship with our Father. So, we want to come to church. On Sunday morning, you know, you're waking up. Has it not reached time to go? Has it not reached time? Why? You want to worship. Hallelujah. It's not that you are afraid. Are you understanding? It's not that you are afraid. I talked about ignorance and I talked about the absence of knowledge. So somebody doesn't know, the knowledge is absent. And talk about insufficient knowledge, which deals with you reading the scripture upside down and saying that it was talking about so and so. Listen, it doesn't matter what they have been teaching you. Pray for yourself and say, Lord, let the eyes of my understanding be enlightened. Let me know this scripture for myself. Forget what you have ever known. Amen. Learn God's word afresh. Amen. There's a simple example I always give. Very simple. And if you are religious, it will help you now. What is it? How many wise men visited Jesus. Amen. How many wise men? Anybody know? How many? No. Wise men, are you know now? How many? Three. Good. How many? Let me not ask. Let me ask new people. How many? Three. How many? Three. Good. Who again agrees there are three? Three wise men. Thank you very much. They are good Bible scholar. Go back to King James. Is it Matthew? Um, yes. Now, let's read. This is the place where it was. Let's, let, let, let me be a congregational member now. 
Matthew 2 verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came what? How many were written there? Wait, hold, 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 hold. There came what? From where? Of Jerusalem. Now check now. Are you sure? This Bible, let's check your own. You came with your own Bible? Yeah, you came with your own Bible? Please, open your own. Let's, let's use your own. Because this one might be Renaissance Bible. Amen. Let's open your Matthew chapter 2. Open to Matthew 2. Good. Verse 1. Uh-huh. Is it, is it, just to show it's the same thing that is there. Read it. Read your own out. <laughs> no, I'm just checking the Bible. Are you understanding me? Is it the same thing? Is the same thing? Is it the same thing that is there? Is it not three in your own? Where's the other young man? Yeah, check. Let's check your Bible. Let's check your own Bible. Amen. Okay. It's the same thing. Uh-huh, but is, is it three in your own Bible? Is what? It didn't say how many. You don't say how many. Good. Hold on. I know. So, I'm just making you understand. This one is a simple one. It doesn't kill anybody whether there are five or three. But it's good to use it and know. The Bible never said the wise men were three. Let me tell you where the confusion of three came. Read further. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For he, we have seen his star. I don't want to read too long. I will come to worship. I just want to come to the place where they gave him gifts. Um, just get to, and they presented. Yeah. Good. So this is where the confusion came from. Are you, are you studying with me? This is how we do Bible study. Amen. And when they were come into the house, these wise men came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him what? Gifts. And then they mentioned them. Gold, frankincense, and man. Now the reason why people say there are three is because three gifts were given. But one person can give three gifts. Ten people can give three gifts. I'm just giving you a clear explanation of why you shouldn't just follow what everybody says. There is nowhere in the Bible. You know, this scripture, this is what I'm saying that the way you might be feeling is how some people were feeling. I preached it on television. And a woman was angry. She called the line and said, Don't try it. You want to change it. Don't try it. I said, What happened? She said, There were three. Oh. There were three. It's in the Bible. So we reached out to the lady and I said, Okay. Um, I said, where, where was the story? She said, It's in the Bible now. I said, Let me just remind you, it's in Matthew. She said, Okay. I said, Please, let's read it together. Alright? So I showed her the scripture. He said, It should be somewhere. Th- that's what she answered. He said, she can't, I can't see that, but it should be somewhere. I'm trying to make you understand how inaccurate knowledge can be harmful. You have always grown up. Every film you watched, there were three men. Is that not so? Every picture you saw, there were three men. And you have believed that there are three men. The Bible didn't tell us how many men. It just said, wise men. So, a pastor can even use it and preach a revelation. When the Trinity met with 
Are you understanding me? That, that, but the Bible didn't say there were well, three. Am I communicating? How many other scriptures have you read upside down like that? Amen. How many other scriptures have you heard what they said? And rather than look at the, what the Bible says, you've just run with it. That is what religion does. It thrives in inaccurate knowledge. This knowledge you've always had that there were three men, it was a wrong information. Let me remind you of another one. When you were growing up, I heard this one from a, a Sunday school class. They said that when Samson's eyes were plucked out, they put his hand on the pillow. He shouted, Lord, give me my last power. How many of you have heard that one? How many of you have heard that one? How many of you have heard it before? Amen. Please put up the prayer of Samson. Samson never said anything about last power. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, 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 you're getting the message now. Amen. Are you understanding me? <laughs> there was nothing like that. What he was saying was that, Lord, grant me great strength that in this, this last time, let me deliver. Are you understanding me? He didn't say, God, give me my last power. So some of you now, you can go to start ministry. Last power ministry is international. Based on that revelation of last power. <laughs> Amen. Last power. The Lord spoke. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Glory to God. This is the prayer. I don't know where the Sunday school teacher got last power from. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O oh Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray thee, only this once, O oh God, that I may be at once avenged for the Philistines for my two eyes. You can go and study it by yourself. Read these verses before it and verses after it. Read the whole uh, Judges chapter 16. You will not see last power in that scripture. Are you hearing me? I could go on and on telling you other things. Amen. That means that there are a lot of misconceptions we have as a result of inaccurate knowledge. The knowledge you were given was not correct. One day, I've pastored for a while. So this thing happened in the early days, you know. And I've joked about it several times. You know, people come to church on Sunday. When they come to church, they like this. Some do like this. Then they sit down. Some just bend their head. So one day I called a brother. I say, Why 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 do you used to do like this when you come to church? He said, I don't know what everybody do. Yes, when I see they used to bend their head, I shake it. So I just shake my head too, and then I raise my head up and continue. Are you understanding me? So some of you here don't even know what that is. It's supposed to be that they came to church and they are praying. Are you understanding me? Father Lord, I thank you for service today. I pray that I receive all you have for me in Jesus' name. Amen. But let me tell you what religion does to you. Religion is that you can pray that prayer in your house before you come. You can pray it in the taxi before you come down. It must not be in the church. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray it in the church. 
Are you understand? So let's assume you were at home you, and before you came to church, Father Lord, as I'm going to church today, you, when you come in, you don't need to pray again. Amen. Because he has heard your prayer. But religion, you just come in. You look around, look at that. You start worshipping God. <laughs> There's a guy that anytime I shake him, when I shake him with ladies. So I said, why are you doing that? He said, you're a holy man. <laughs> I said, you, you're not holy. You, you're not holy. He said, no, no, I'm not holy. I said, I said, listen, it's the same way. I'm not more holy than you. Amen. I'm not more righteous than you. Amen. It's the same righteousness that you have that I have. Glory to God. It's Jesus that gave us. Amen. Amen. Know the difference between churchianity and Christianity. Amen. Amen. Know the difference. I said I was going to take on the big boys. Let me enter covering of hair. I don't have much time again, but let me just enter it. 1 Corinthians 11 has perhaps been the most controversial scripture in church governance and structure because it addresses the woman question. What we've come to know as the woman question. The woman question is all the questions about women. And because I don't have time, I'll just shoot. Let me read something to you. It will help you. So you don't pick a scripture out of context. Hallelujah. Is somebody learning something? In 1 Corinthians 11, now, first thing to know is this, that the letters to the Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I, I, I explain this in the shortest possible time? Paul wrote, all these are letters Paul wrote to different churches. I hope you know. He wrote to the church in Corinth. It became the Cor- Corinthian epistle to the Corinthians. There's a difference between kingdom protocol and Church rules. Amen. Church rules. In this church, we have rules. We have rules. Like or not, or not we have rules. Something as simple as when we close the service, we say, everybody that is going out, go out through that door. Those coming in, coming through that. Is a rule. <laughs> Amen. It's simple as that. That's how we want to run it here. If we go to another hall, we might not put that rule again. It doesn't mean that when church closes, if you follow this other side, you have sinned. Are you understanding me? In our former church, we were having four services. We didn't have space. So we are having four services. When we came here, we started having two services because we have space. That we're having four services. We have other churches. We have churches in Benin and other churches. It's not a rule that all the churches must have four services. If they are in a hall that can take all of them, they don't need to have four services. Amen. Are you getting the picture? Okay. Now, there are some things Paul told the Corinthian church. 
that he did not tell every other church. He didn't tell the Roman church. He didn't tell the Colossian church. He didn't tell the Ephesian church. It was based on the peculiar problem that church was facing. And he said, don't do this or do that. Now, how you would know is that he made a statement after everything. I'll just speak on that statement first. Verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 11. He was talking about long hair, no long hair, a woman submitting to her husband. Then verse 16 he said, but listen, you know, if any man does not agree, seems to be contentious what I'm saying. This is not a custom in the church. We have no such custom, neither the churches of God. He's trying to say that this thing does not apply everywhere, but this is what I want you to do. Amen. Are you getting the picture? Paul, because he was the apostle that founded those churches, he had a right to set rules on how things should be done. In this church, for example, I could say, next Sunday when you are coming to church, everybody wear a white shirt. It doesn't mean that it has nothing to do with your salvation. Amen. It has nothing to do with whether you are born again or you are not born again. It's just that we said everybody should wear a white shirt. Are you understanding me? Or maybe we want to take pictures. Then we say, short. what we are going to do is that every third Sunday of the month, come with white shirts. As the pastor of the church, 80 years later, 100 years later, I die and go and be with the Lord. Another pastor comes up and says, you know, on the third Sunday we wear white because see, there's something revelation. It's not revelation. It's just a church. Are you understanding me? It's, are you understanding me? So, don't put yourself under any bondage. In this scripture, oh, glory to God. Two minutes. Paul was addressing something powerful. From verse 1 down. But I want you to understand the picture of where Paul was coming from. The first thing was that before the gospel came, most of the Jewish women, just like you know, Muslim women don't go to mosques regularly. You know that. They stay indoors. Okay. The practice of Judaism or Old Covenant practice is not much different from Islam. Islam drew some things from there. It's not much different. Now, when the gospel came and people started preaching the gospel, the first thing that was noticed was that the gospel was liberating women. Amen. So, women started coming for the public meetings. I'm talking about what happened in Paul's time. Because the women don't, don't come, only men go for meetings. It's not like in your village now. When they say they have, do you see women in the elders meeting? It's the same thing. Are you understanding me? It's when they say they have meetings, it's the men. Are you understanding me? It's the men. Women want to do their own, they go and do their thing. But it's the men. So, in Bible days also, when they have worship services, it's men. But when the church was born, and people started going to church, Men and women, first of all, in that upper room experience, 120, women also got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. The Holy Ghost didn't say, no, it's not for women. Women got filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter, chapter 2, from Acts chapter 1 into chapter 2. And they spoke in tongues. So, and they saw that women too were getting born again. Women too were getting filled with the Holy Ghost and so on and so forth. They started worshipping together. Something started happening. What was happening was that the women were experiencing freedom they've never had. Where they are sitting, where their husbands are sitting. So it became a rowdy, especially in Corinth, that 
The pastor is preaching. You know how women, you know, you know how market women behave. You know? And then they say, Jesus died for your sin. He said, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. I just tell him, you know, I just tell him. And then they'll be talking among themselves. Then service going on, someone comes and That thing I was sharing with you, that rowdy. So Paul said, Look, hey, hey, women, listen. Any woman that has the question, she'll wait and ask her husband at home. Are you listening to me? Wait and ask your husband at home. Don't speak in the church. Amen. Don't open your mouth and talk. Be subject to your husbands. The second challenge they had was that because the women were not allowed to worship, some of them started trying to override the authority of their husbands. Amen. The issue of veil was more of a custom than a religious, sorry, a scriptural instruction. Amen. Why did Paul not write this letter to all the churches? Why only the Corinthian church? Have you ever thought of it? Why didn't he say the same thing to all the churches? Because it did not apply. It did not apply. A woman in the Jewish custom wearing a veil means that she's under a man. Are you understanding me? The, okay. Let me use an example. Remember the story of Judah? Judah slept with a prostitute in scripture. And then she took his staff. You know the story. That story tells you how Jewish prostitution, I'm not teaching you prostitution, I'm just how it functions. You understand that? What they do is that they normally that they are available. Amen. They expose that they are available. So, in the Jewish practice, covering of your hair, it shows that you are under authority. You are either in your father's house, you are under a man, or you are not into those kind of things. Amen. Are you understanding me? That is a Jewish custom. We were not, we did not inherit Jewish custom. Amen. Christianity is not an extension of Jewish culture. Separate that. Amen. There are some things Jewish people don't eat. Glory to God. You might be surprised that if the Jewish people were there, they would not have been eating eba. Some of you eat eba in the morning. They don't have eaten in the morning. What about the holy, holy, holy days that they observe? If you are practicing the law, it's on, on Saturday you are not supposed to walk. Amen. So what some of them in the Sabbath group are trying to do, but Jesus has freed us from the hold of the Sabbath law. Amen. We are not under that law. So you can walk on Saturday. You can even walk on Sunday after church. It doesn't mean anything. Amen. Are you understanding me? But what it is is that, okay, now you want to walk on Sunday. The Holy Ghost tells you, no. No. Leave Sunday. I will still bless you. And you still go and walk. Then you have violated the law of your conscience. Amen. Are you understanding me? We are not under. The Sabbath day is not Sunday. It's Saturday. Amen. Amen. It's Saturday. In that day, you are not supposed to walk. You are supposed to worship God and read your Bible throughout. Is that what you did yesterday? I'm asking you, is that what you did yesterday? So don't come and give me law when you are not doing the law. Amen. If you are under the law, be under it completely. It's not only to cover your hair. Cover everything. Cover the Sabbath. You understand? Cover your leg. Are you understanding me? 
But let me say something to you. You have been freed from the law. Jesus came to set you free. Because no human being would have been able to meet, meet all the standards of the law. Amen. So Jesus came to say, so don't mix Old Testament and New Testament. We are rightly dividing the word of truth means that we now know where we belong. Hallelujah. We don't belong under the law. Let me give my last scripture. John chapter 1. Let's start from verse 14 now, I think to 17. And let me just read that quickly. John chapter 1. And the word was made flesh. Talking about Jesus. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What? Full of grace. And what? Let me just show you something. He now says, John bear witness of him, and Christ saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 16. And of his fullness have we all received what? Now, verse 17 is the big one. Let's read together. One to go. For the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Say it again. For the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came. That means what Moses came to do. Is it from what Jesus came to do? You are not under what Moses came to do. You are under grace and truth. Amen. Say I am under grace and truth. I am not under the laws of Moses. I am under grace and truth. That changes how you read your Bible. You now read your Bible in the light of what Jesus has done for you. Amen. If you are reading your Bible looking for... You know, some people, you know what you are doing? You are reading your Bible looking for, what should I not do? What should I do? That's not how to read your Bible. <laughs> you are not reading your Bible to know, what should I do? What should I not do? When you are reading your Bible, you are eating. Amen. You are feeding. You are eating. You are not checking. What, what should I do? What should I not do? What should I do? What should I not do? It's still religious mentality. Amen. Yeah. When you come into Christ, you are growing in Him. You allow Him to teach you His word. Hallelujah. And then, every word He teaches you, you put it to work in your life. Hallelujah. The Jewish people didn't even know all the laws sometimes. They have to go and check it and come back. But the Bible says, it's inside your heart. Hallelujah. It's written in your heart. Bow your heads everywhere and just thank the Lord for today and give Him praise and glory. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the message of faith.